Welcome to Inside the Match, where Alex and Simone talk residency applications. We are two residents here to help you navigate the match. For each podcast, we'll bring you residents from various specialties and backgrounds to give advice. So today we are so excited to have an attending physician, Dr. Jefferson. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Simone. So where are you an attending physician and what specialty are you in? I practice at the University of Mississippi. We're the only academic medical center in the state. I am a professor of otolaryngology, head and neck surgery, and I subspecialize in um, head and neck surgical oncology and microvascular reconstruction. Wow, that sounds complex. And it's so nice to be able to talk with someone who is not only in a competitive specialty, but also you speak so much about applications and interviews on your own social media accounts. So I'm so excited to listen to your advice. So it can be really overwhelming when we, you know, submit these ERAS applications and students always want to know what interviewers will typically bring up during their interviews. So do you have any advice for people on what they should focus on? Um, my main advice is that anything that you place on your application is basically fair game. Um, for us to discuss. Obviously, in a short amount of time, it's difficult to um, anticipate what each faculty member is going to have on their mind for that day or what they've read in your application or what actually excites them or interests them and they want to find more uh, about. Um, but two of the things that a lot of us like to focus on is people list research projects that might not necessarily have a publication or even if they do have a publication we want to ascertain whether or not the applicant has a full understanding of the research because sometimes it can be a project that you're just tagging on with a faculty or a senior resident and so having the ability to really articulate from beginning to end the research plan what the hypothesis was what your findings were even if they're unanticipated findings what you learned from the experience. So that is one of the things that we often ask. Um, and the other thing is hobbies. We want to know that people have a life outside of medicine. <laughs> the, you know, there's a huge focus on well-being um, for everyone from medical student, resident, as well as um, practicing physician. So do you have an outlet outside of medicine that um, interests you? Those are great points. It is so important for people to focus on their research and really anything that they have written in the application and know that it can be asked about. So sometimes applicants get intimidated when program directors ask if they have any questions about the program. So I was wondering if you have any recommendations for what an applicant and ask of a program director or any attending during an interview. Um, I think it's First of all, okay to say all of my questions have already been answered because sometimes, for instance, in my program, I um, interview with the program director, I'm the associate program director, I interview with the chair as well. So we're in a room together. And if you're coming to our room last um, and we ask you if you have any questions, you might actually have already had all of your questions answered. So of course it's okay to say that. Um, but a question that's probably of interest is 
Do you anticipate any significant um, changes in how the curriculum might be delivered? Because that could, in a small program, really impact the quality of the program. Is the person that does neurotology retiring next year? Um, and then you would follow up with, well, who is coming to replace that person? Uh, so uh, I think that one's probably of interest to someone that's coming into a program because you want the breadth of a specialty. Um, and there's many subspecialties within otolaryngology or within um, psychiatry or within whatever um, the actual specialty of medicine is. So there's other times where we also get an opportunity to meet with resident physicians. And a lot of the times now they're done virtually. And so it's a very different experience, but you still get to learn about the culture of a program through these virtual dinners. And I'm wondering what questions you would advise an applicant ask a resident physician to learn more about a program. So we get this question a lot. And um, I think one of the main things to know about otolaryngology in particular is that every there's so few programs, every single program is strong. You're gonna be well-trained no matter where you end up matching. Um, but I want to convey that indeed, residency programs do have their own cultures. And where you find that out is with your interactions with the residents. So questions you might ask are, do these residents get along so you don't ask it that way, obviously. You could ask, do you all hang out outside of work? Do your spouses and significant others hang out? Uh, that kind of gives you an idea, is this program forming a family with every new um, resident that enters the program? So I think that is probably the biggest thing I would focus on other than do I have things in common with these people? Because it's five years of your life, residency is hard, you're with these people more than anybody else, and that's what you want from um, a program. Oh, the other thing is, can I learn from my senior residents? So you would ask, is there a lot of teaching from senior residents down? Um, because they know a lot of ins and outs that might not come through the attendings lips, for example, like consults. We, we attendings don't frequently see consults in the ED, um, but your senior residents might have some tips and tricks that we faculty might forget um, to relay because it's been so long for us to um, function in that manner. So true. And I really love the point you make about being great programs. There are so many wonderful programs and it's really about selecting the one that you feel you fit at. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, what that program is, but for you, do you feel like you belong and do you feel like you can get and enjoy these people inside and outside the hospital doing some of those hobbies that you even referenced in, in your ERAS application? Another yes. question people always ask is about thank you notes. People wonder, should I write them? Are they handwritten or should they be emails? When do I send them? And then, so I'm really interested to hear what your take is on applicants sending thank you notes. Um, we all receive thank you notes and they are appreciated whether they are handwritten or via email. Mm -hmm. um, I think the most effective um, thank you note is if you've really connected with a faculty member during the interview process. That might be a thank you that you send. Um, but the really 
most important person behind the scenes that is making sure your interviews go off without a glitch uh, is the program administrator or the education coordinator for the program. So that person is the one that most definitely deserves a short thank you. Yes, I agree. I view that person doing so many things, especially during the virtual interview season. I'm sure their work is even busier than before. Right. And then, you know, we always wonder, especially when ranking programs, whether we should send an email to our number one choice and then when that email should be sent. So I'm wondering if you could give guidance to some of our listeners about when or even if they should send these types of emails. Okay, so this one is a little shady area of gray. Um, if you're going to send an email to a program stating that they are high on the list is how I would word it. I would definitely not say I am ranking you as my top program. Um, that can be alienating um, to the program and might leave the recipient of that email thinking is this person desperate? Did they not get enough interviews? Um, so that's what I mean by alienating. I just would reword any communication if you make such a communication at all. Okay. And uh, when should people be sending these? Do you advise them closer to the end of January? If I'm going to send one email to my top program, do you advise a certain time period of when it should be sent? Right, so um, the rank list is due at a similar time, I think it's the same time, for um, both the programs as well as the applicants. So you want to do that probably at least three to four weeks in advance. So right at the conclusion of your last interview, um, after you've had some time to really think about what program you are gonna rank high, um, that's when you should send it. Great tips. And would you advise that applicants reach out to their mentors to advocate for them at their top residency choice? So is, if this question is after the interview process, that's fine. Um, it doesn't really change anything because at that point, we've already decided who we're going to interview, right? I think the right. mo more effective time to have your mentors reach out is before interviews are even uh, granted because you have to get an interview in order to get ranked. If you've gotten an interview, I mean, you're, that's a pretty good sign. Um, so it's really before the ranking process. Okay, that's a great thing to know. Making a rank list is stressful, especially when it comes to the end of January and we're putting it together. So I'm wondering if you have any tips for applicants when they're making their rank lists. So as opposed to waiting to the last minute, um, as a surgeon, I like to plan and have tables and lists. So <laughs> I would recommend during the interview process, if you've created a table, the um, pluses and minuses that you have um, ascertained from each program, but just your general impression in the corner, um, that will help guide your rank list making. Um, I also think that clearly you need some time at the end of your last interview to just reflect on everything that you have put on this table and then carefully make your rank list. Ask yourself, can I train here? If you can't train, if you can't see yourself being somewhere um, with those people, then that's probably a program you don't even want to rank because you'll be miserable. Um, 
that should be few programs, by the way. Um, the, <laughs> the other thing is I look at it kind of like taking a standardized test. You carefully make, you carefully eliminate the answers that are clearly incorrect. You might narrow it down to two and then you make your decision. So like making your rank list, um, you just want to put in order and be definitive. So when you're wishy-washy, you might, you know, you're gonna keep second guessing yourself. You just wanna trust your gut, trust what you have experienced because only you have experienced um, your interview process. So um, trust yourself. I love that, especially comparing it to a standardized test. You, you know the state that you're in when you are filling out that answer sheet and you need to take that confidence and put it through when you're creating your rank list. Sometimes we get really concerned and really frustrated with things we read online, with blogs, with talking to other people, and we really have to realize it's about our own experience on that specific interview day. And like That's you said, right. we're the ones who did experience it. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to offer about the application or the residency interview process? So my advice is to enjoy the process because not only are we faculty interviewing you guys, um, the important thing is for you to kind of interview us because you are making the decision, can I train in this place? Um, it's your opportunity to let your true self shine through more than what's on the application paper. Um, so if you have something really interesting about yourself that you want to convey, um, that is your opportunity. So um, to really be endearing and just be yourself. Speaking about an interesting thing that we like people to convey, we love to end our podcast with having you share a fun fact about yourself. So Dr. Jefferson, can you share something fun about you? <laughs> um, when people meet me and interact with me, they probably think I'm really um, formal. I like to dress for clinic. A lot of people like to wear scrubs. Um, you would probably never guess that I am a true Star Wars head over heel fan nerd. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great one. I love it. Well, that's all the time we have today with Dr. Jefferson. Thanks for joining us at Inside the Match. Special thanks to Kevin McLeod for the music and be sure to follow or subscribe to our podcast. Catch our next podcast to learn more tips and hear from another awesome resident or faculty member. Thanks so much.